This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. What's up, everybody? How many love Jesus today here at Emmanuel? What's up? Big shout out, Maple Grove, Elk River Lakeville, and Spring Lake Park. Those joining us online, it's an amazing opportunity to gather together, feel the presence of God as we worship together. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like that time when we get to be together with the presence of God. And this past Friday, we had all of the Emmanuel Sisterhood, the ladies got together on each of our locations. And uh, yeah, give it up for the ladies in the house. All the girls, the ladies, the women, whatever label you want to go by. There is such something powerful about connection and the need for connection, relationship, not just to attend a service, but to get to know somebody that you could hang with and that you could pray with and that you can go on life with. I think it's so important for us to be together. We're on our second week of a series called Made Well, Body, Soul, and Spirit. And we're talking today about the body. And uh, the title of my message is The Source of healing. Say that with me. The source of healing. We're basing everything off of a text that we talked about last week from the Bible in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. I love that text, and not to go deeply into it, because you can listen to the message online or on our podcast or whatever uh, later on, but in essence, Paul is speaking to the church, and he's speaking about a present and future tense promise that God would be there to make you holy. In other words, not holy as in perfect and, and angry and uber religious, but actually that there would be completeness in you, nothing missing that the God of peace would give you his peace, that you would feel whole in every part of your life, in your body, in your mind, your will, and your emotions, the soul, as well as the spirit. And today we're, you know, we're talking about the body, and there is a great opportunity in the scriptures that we see for healing. And uh, today we're gonna have that opportunity at the end of the service in each of our locations where if you have a need for healing, we're gonna have our elders and our, our prayer teams and our pastoral staff ready to pray for you. And I'm super excited, been praying in faith. I did, as I always do on Saturdays, I walked the sanctuary, prayed for each of our locations, praying that God would pour out his spirit and I'm believing there's great things to come at the end of the service. And I want you to just set that side of that expectation up for the end that perhaps God would want to heal you or somebody that's close to you. How many believe he can do that? Amen? And uh, to set this all up, I want, to, uh, hear, want you to hear the story of Jessica, one of our Team Emmanuel volunteers that's on our worship team. And uh, something happened a year ago, and then God's done a healing work in her life. Why don't you watch Jessica's story? My name is Jessica Wallerstedt. I've been connected with Emmanuel for about six years now, and I am married and have three kids. Last summer, uh, I knew something was up, and so I went and had a mammogram. On August 27th, I got the call from my doctor um, that I have breast cancer, and 
like I think most people, um, when you receive that news, you're, you don't believe it, and I didn't believe it for a long time. I felt like I was uh, rolling down a giant mountain in an avalanche um, with absolutely no control of what was going on. I was sitting in the parking lot of the grocery store uh, and was feeling, I was feeling defeated. I had made a connection with a friend who had also gone through cancer treatment. And then as we were talking, um, another friend who I hadn't seen uh, in quite some time, he walked by and I just cried. All I said was, I have cancer and I need you to pray for me. And that's all, like it rolled out my window and yelled that out. And so we did and it was amazing. And he declared healing over my body. I felt and experienced the Holy Spirit in that time and in that moment. And it was, I was literally dancing around the parking lot just because I wasn't healed at that very moment in that parking lot doesn't mean that I wasn't healed. It just means that I was healed in a different way than I wanted to, which is usually how the Lord works. I believe that I was completely healed on that day in September, uh, that, that I was completely healed, but that the Lord needed me to walk the walk. My surgery was on uh, February 17th. And um, two days later, on my mom's birthday, which is a lovely birthday present, um, the doctor called to say that um, when they did the pathology report that there were no signs of cancer in any of the tissue, no signs of cancer in the lymph nodes. So uh, that was really awesome. They uh, call it a complete response, um, which means that there's nothing found. I call it a complete healing. <laughs> Healing sometimes comes immediately, and healing sometimes comes through a journey like I had to go on. And healing sometimes comes when you're standing face to face with the Lord. I have a relationship with Him now that's like nothing else. If you're gonna go through something like this, you might as well make it worth it, right? Like, otherwise, what's the point? And obviously, I'm still supposed to be here so so here I am I love the story because there's something powerful about the journey and not everybody's story is the same I believe in God using everything to work together for his good and that we partner with him and I loved the intensity, the emotion that Jessica shared about her relationship with the Lord and the closeness that she felt with the Lord through the journey. And, uh, and I'm thankful for her and her family and her husband and just how they've prayed together in the family of God and how we surrounded. But you know, I've, I believe in healing because I've experienced it in my own family. You know, some people are like, well, I've never known anybody that's been healed. Well, my, my mom was healed of polio when she was a young girl. And uh, at a time when it was taken over the whole world, she, she was healed completely, and uh, I know it. And I was just told uh, by my dad before this service, uh, before I came up here to preach, he said, did you know that your sister 
had cystic fibrosis and she was healed at one month old. And I'm like, I never knew that story. How did I not know this all these years later? And, uh, and I just, I want you to know, because I've experienced it, it's so strong in me that I want it for you. And I want, I want you to at least have the faith to reach out for something that, that um, is possible through the presence of God and the word of God in your life. But I also know, and I want to acknowledge that I have people in my life that have chronic illnesses that have not experienced the full healing in this life. I've had people that are friends that have died of diseases before. And so there are more than just one narrative when it comes to how God works with people and uh, how you deal with that. Some people grew up and uh, perhaps you were in a faith background where people were, were taught to look at somebody who had a sickness or an illness and they, it was because they sinned. And, uh, and I want to just say to you that there is balance in the word of God, not just one verse standing alone, but the word of God confirms itself and that there are multiple stories within the scripture itself where God would heal one and another, he would allow them to trust him until they came to know him uh, in eternity. And so as we walk into the scripture today, I want you to consider that no matter your faith tradition, others in here, you might have had a background where nobody ever told you that God heals people in 2021. But did you know he does? And he still touches people's bodies and life? And so I want you to have hope today because there's never been a more important moment to talk about God and your body than in 2021. In reality, this is the moment. This is the COVID era, right? And we've gone through many, many experiences. There's people that experience COVID, for example, or the after effects of COVID, and, and it's a lingering thing, and others that have, have died from it. So I, we don't need to remove God from the reality that the rest of the world is going through. In fact, we need to look to the scripture and say, God, what are you wanting to do in me? And I think you're gonna discover that Jesus is hope. No matter if you've come out of curiosity or skepticism, he is hope. And healing was a central feature of Jesus' ministry. You can look at any of Jesus' gospels in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and you'll discover everywhere you look, somebody was getting healed. So it was a part of the gospel, so much so that later on, the church, after Jesus ascended, when the church was spreading the gospel around the world, guess what was happening? People were getting healed everywhere the church went. So I think that this is a promise for all of us. And I want us to look particularly at John chapter 9. In fact, turn there with me. How many have your Bibles? Just hold them up so I can see them. Got your Bibles, electronic or paper? Good job. John chapter 9. Some of you are following along, along on the Emmanuel MN app. You can do that as well. It says this in verse 1. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned for us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. 
Now, this is an interesting passage. And by the way, each of the gospel writers write from a different vantage point. John is the most unique of the four. John actually uses symbolic language to communicate spiritual truths. And so he talks about darkness and light. Jesus is repeatedly called the light of the world in John. In this passage, you see Jesus saying that about himself. And what he's talking about is God sends in where there's confusion, darkness, where there's no hope, where things have been kind of sucked out, of life has been sucked out of your family or a community or a city, that he comes in to bring light. How many know Jesus still is bringing light in 2021? That he still brings it into places of confusion and he cares about us. This man was born blind in the story. He was born this way. He didn't do anything to get blind. There was no, no action he had taken. And the disciples followed the conventional wisdom of the day, which said, somebody is to blame. So they asked the question, and they wanted to know, essentially, why is he blind? They're asking an honest question. That question, why, is something that we repeat often in our stories, don't we? Why is this happening to me? Why did this happen to my mom? Why is this happening to my friend? And we want to know the why. You know that Jesus doesn't always answer our questions the way we want them to be answered. But what we can know is, is that it's a natural thing for us to ask the question why. Most sickness is not caused by sin. There are some cases where sin opened a person to disease in the scripture, but the overwhelming number of times that you see anybody that is sick, it was just life. And in fact, it goes back to the first sin. I'll talk about that in a little bit. But most sickness isn't because a person sinned. So there are some cases that do, but what is important isn't the answer to the question why like we think it. What is important is Jesus is more powerful than all physical sickness. So and getting beyond the why, I'm telling you in 2021, we got a lot of people questioning where facts are coming from, medical stuff, all kinds of things regarding things that go uh, uh, involve the body. And so we're in a place in our culture where we don't even trust anything. And I just want to say, in a story like this, we're reminded we need to go back to it isn't necessarily the cause or what's going on behind the scenes. We need to have clear eyes. Jesus is the one who heals. To get back to the basics with it and recognize he's the healer. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. It wasn't those things. It was really going to be revealed there was something else. And Jesus is essentially saying, focus on the purpose in the condition, not the source of the condition. In other words, there is purpose wrapped up in a story, in every person's story. Everyone under the sound of my voice, you have purpose. You are not random. You are not put on the planet for no reason. You matter to God, and he has a design for your life. Turn to the person next to you and say, you have a purpose. <laughs> he says, this happens so. I love that word so. There's purpose in a story. 
I want you to consider the source of healing in this. See, the source is different than the, the reason they got sick. The source is looking into a different person, a different source. The source of healing is Jehovah Rapha. In the Old Testament, it talks about Jehovah Rapha. God says in Exodus 15, 26, for I am the Lord who heals you. It's a title that God gives that reveals what he does. God heals and he creates all things and he knows what's best. And your purpose comes for, from him. The first human beings in Genesis chapter one, verse 27, for God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry on the ground. In other words, when the first human beings were created, God gave them an assignment. The assignment, first of all, was to take care of creation. How many know God created a big world? And it was Adam and Eve's responsibility to take care of creation. By the way, that command did not get rescinded. We are to take care of God's creation. We're not to be ignorant and act like it doesn't matter how we handle the environment around us. Now, we can't make the environment our religion and our God. All right? So there's a tension in there. So we're to take care of creation. He also says that we are to be fruitful and multiply. That's quick for saying have babies and raise families. Now, one of the things that God was saying wasn't like the only people that have purpose are the ones that have kids. What he was saying was is that part of your responsibility is to take your purpose and give it to the next generation. And you and I can do that in the church to this day, not only for our, from our own biological children, but also from the generation around us, the generation behind us. We have a responsibility to carry forward what God has given us to someone else. Can I get an amen to that? So purpose matters, and we are given purpose by God. God has made every person with a special assignment over our lives. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And then Romans 12, 1, where Paul is speaking to the church specifically about, he mentions the body. He says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your what? your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So if we have purpose, our daily lives are meant to be offered to God, our body and what happens with it, so that we can fulfill the purpose that God has given to us. And of course, the most important purpose is our worship and connection with God. Paul says to the church in 1 Corinthians 3, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? Now, he's speaking that word, by the way, not just about individuals. He's also speaking about the church together. Literally, this is a word about us. The presence of God comes and inhabits this place, we, 
are the temple. Not just I'm the temple, we are the temple. Not the buildings that we're in, but the people of God. Amen? And so if those are the things that are important to him, ultimately, we've got to get our eyes off of causes of the pain amongst us and onto the creator and his purpose for us. All sickness is the result of the fall. The first sin unleashed death on everyone, both physically and eternally. So that's where the ultimate cause of disease, of bodies falling apart, all of those things, all started when the first human being sinned. It wasn't just uh, a random uh, event that cancer all of a sudden showed up. No, it started in the garden. So that's really where it all began. The wages of sin is death, but also there's a sense of sin corrupting humanity. And none of us will physically live forever unless Jesus comes to catch us soon, which I think might happen pretty soon. But we need to understand that in the middle of all the whys, it all goes back to the garden. And the only thing we can do is go back to our creator if we wanna see things reversed. In fact, in the Old Testament, it, it promised that there would be a Messiah that actually would heal our sicknesses. He would deal with our bodies. In Isaiah 53, a messianic prophecy, it says, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we would be whole. He was whipped so we could be what? Healed. Jesus' death on the cross was not just for our sins. It was also for our bodies. He bore pain in his physical body to unleash healing in yours. The Old Testament said he would do it, but so did the New Testament. It picked it up even after Jesus had died and rose from the dead and ascended to heaven. The apostle Peter wrote to the church decades later when he said he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. So I believe that all of those promises are wrapped up in his purpose. And I want you to look at three things that Jesus does with the blind man that uh, we need to catch here. The first one is this. He breaks decades of darkness. This man was born into sin and went through decades of darkness. Look at verse Eight, he says, then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. And he told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. And so the man went and washed and came back seeing. All right? So this is the moment of the miracle, right? So here's what I want you to catch. Jesus is working with a blind man Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is also the creator. He was there in Genesis chapter one, and when God took the dust and breathed into the dust, he created humanity. Now, Jesus takes the dust or the dirt, and he spits on the dirt, and the creator is going to work again. Now, I want you to catch this. Just because you were created one way doesn't mean the creator is done creating in you. 
In other words, Jesus is able to take the mud, the dirt again, just like he did in Genesis, put it over a person's body, over their eyes that could not see, and do a creative miracle. Sometimes we wonder, well, it's already gone. I don't have any way of getting it back. The doctor has told me one thing. Whatever it may be, we've got the excuses for why God would not heal. But I want to remind you that Jesus is creative. He can take and he can create something where there is nothing. Oftentimes when I'm praying with somebody after service and they'll say, I need, I need prayer for something. And sometimes there's prayer because they've got chronic pain or they've got an issue with uh, something has gone wrong and a, an organ has died or something isn't functioning right. And one of the things I'll pray is I'll, I'll say, Jesus, would you just now extend your hand and create a new pancreas? Would you begin to do something with the nerves that have been cut off through an injury and create nerves that are connected so that the pain is relieved? What I'm saying to you is this, that what Jesus can do is he can do something creative and you don't even expect it. The author is intentionally also pointing out in this story that people are living in spiritual darkness and the world needs the light turned on. They need Jesus. You and the people in the world around you need the light, not just you, but the people around you need the light. Secondly, three things Jesus does with the blind. Secondly, he instructs the blind man to do something during and after his healing. Now he tells the man, the mud's on there, he can't see anything yet. The mud's on there. You can't see through mud, right? It's not clear. He tells the man, you need to go to the pool of Siloam. Now there's some aspects of this that is a part of the religious teaching and the religious law and rulers of that day. It required if you went through, got healed, that you had to go be cleansed, that you had to go in the pool of Siloam, was a public place where everybody would know you had been healed. And so Jesus wasn't just sending him to wash off his eyes. He was also sending the man on an errand, if you will, so that the rest of God's purposes could be fulfilled. See, in his life, in his life, the blind man had sat there for decades of his life and didn't really do anything. Now Jesus was asking him to step out and do something. And when Jesus says to do it, the action of moving towards the pool was the man stepping out in faith. Hebrews says that the faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Faith is not believing, faith is stepping. Faith isn't just acknowledging, faith is moving toward. It's following through on what Jesus has told you to do. And all of us have responsibility to do something and to partner with God in his miracle for us. You and I have responsibilities in our life. In many ways, you might need to take a step of faith out from your blindness into what God is calling you to do. It doesn't mean you know where your foot is gonna land. 
It just means you say, yes, Lord, I'm going where you want me to go. And then being obedient. And by the way, it also includes a responsibility. You know that God has a part and we have a part in our story. We have a responsibility, like I said earlier, to take care of and steward and manage our bodies. In America, we have a modern day reality that, that we like to eat a lot. Now Paul said, I am the chief amongst all sinners. When I talk about eating, I am the chief among all sinners, church. But here's the deal. If all I do is continue to consume things that harm my body or don't measure it out in a, a, in a way that would be honoring to God and I let gluttony take over, I go after things that aren't good for me, or I let substances come into my system, carcinogens through other things or, or things that would destroy my brain cells, whatever it may be. If I'm doing those things and I'm not being a good steward of my body, at the same time I'm asking him to heal me, can you see the challenge here? So we have a responsibility to deal with and lead our own physical well-being in the process as well. Don't just leave it all up to God, just heal me. And he's going, yeah, but, but you've been staying up late every night and you wonder why you got anxiety and your body is, is giving out on you because you've been living off of, off of uh, power, power drinks that got so much kind of caffeine in them and you're living your life to the edge. But Lord, why am I, you know, my heart rate is up and you got high blood pressure. Deal with what you can deal with and then let God heal you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Another way of saying it is don't be stupid. <laughs> Just be smart about your life and be responsible with what God has called you to do and be. And then washing, remove the cloudy, muddy distortion of his past. Number three, Jesus declares purpose over the person's life. This is the most important part of the story. I think we get so hung up and focused on a healing that we miss the fact that God's a lot bigger than that. That he is more concerned with his purposes for his life, for this blind man who's now seeing, and then also for the people that are around him. He wanted to use both the man's present and his future. Look at verse eight. It says his neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? And some said he was, and others said no. He just looks like him. But the, <laughs> that's funny. Just looks like him. But the, but the beggar kept saying, yes, I'm the same one. I'm not a doppelganger. They asked, who healed you? What happened? So it's not just him seeing now. It's moving to a larger crowd. And he told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash your, yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. Where is he now, they asked. I don't know, he replied. Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees. Now it moves beyond the crowd, and it goes to the authorities, to the police, if you will. And because it was on the Sabbath day, which is a no, no, you can't do that, 
Jesus had made the mud and healed him on that day, the Pharisees asked the man all about it. And so he told them, he put the mud over my eyes and then I washed it away, I could see. See, now there's a story that is resonating beyond just the person. Because the person has a purpose. That healing, that testimony that God was gonna do in him was important. And the Pharisees began to question no longer the, 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 the no longer blind man. I've got to come up with a new label for him. The no longer blind man <laughs> and his parents. And the no longer blind man responds to the Pharisees really in a unique way. It says in verse 24, so for the second time they called in the man to court, if you will, who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. They're trying to push Jesus out of the story, right? I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this, I was blind and now I can see. Here's the thing that I want you to see in here. We get caught up in so many arguments in 2021. So many arguments over nuances of political arguments and right versus wrong, and we miss the fact that people need to go from blindness to sight. We're missing the fact that only Jesus can do the ultimate miracle. And we need to get our eyes back on that thing. That guy is in a simple way just saying, hey, I don't know. All I know is the facts are I couldn't see before and now I do. You know, that's the way it needs to be in church, right? You don't have to have the perfect theological argument for everything. You don't have to have the book of Hebrews memorized. You don't have to have perfect attendance on Sunday morning, although I would love it if you come more often. Listen, you don't have to have all, you don't even have to give in the offering. All you need to know is I'm giving my life to Jesus. I once was this, and praise God to the glory of God, Jesus has made me different. And recognize it's not that complicated. It's not that complicated. This man became a messenger of Jesus through his condition. In the middle, in the, after it, he was still being used of God. Remember what Jesus said at the beginning of John chapter nine? He said, this happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Did you know that the power of God can be seen in you? The power of God can be seen in your story. People are watching you. They're watching you and your purpose is not lost because you're waiting on your healing. You have purpose while you wait. Purpose doesn't depend on the status of your healing. Purpose is every part of your story. And between this and what you dream of, Jesus gives you his grace, and his grace is sufficient. Purpose in waiting. Purpose in healing. Purpose until we see Jesus through the rapture or through our death. And you can always trust God for healing without losing your purpose. Come on, somebody. I think that. I think it's important. I think it's really, really a big deal. I think it's a big deal for us to be a church that celebrates healing, but also celebrates the people who are being faithful to, for God, with God until the healing comes.
I'd like to ask my brother to come up here. Many of you don't know my brother David, um, but uh, he is my younger brother, and he's always behind the scenes. He serves at Team Emmanuel in the production area. Why don't you come over here, bro? And uh, come on, you can go a little closer. There we go. It's all right. Um, he's my little brother. Yeah, he's a big guy, right? Um, six years apart, and one of the things that we share is growing up in the same family. We also have a sister who lives in Michigan, and uh, growing up in our family, we experienced something together that is pretty powerful in the healing category, but it isn't like you think it would be all at once. You see, uh, when David was about 18 months, through a series of events, he developed uh, epilepsy, and, uh, and it involved minimal seizures or tonic-clonic seizures of some sort. Petty mall. Petty mall, thank you. I knew I had a word for it. <laughs> and, uh, and so with, with that, it meant that what it looked like is multiple, like many a day, times where David would pause and he'd have his eyes open, but have, he wasn't conscious, and his hand would tremble, both of his hands would tremble a little bit, and it could happen for a long time. It could be 15 seconds, it could be a minute. And, uh, and then he would come back to consciousness. And here's the thing about that, is that while we were walking through it, my mom and dad loved their kids. And they began to train us, and my, his brother and sister, how to handle a moment when we couldn't fix it. Mom and dad were going to doctors trying to find the right medicine. I'm thankful for the medical community and doctors and all the genuine help that they bring. To this day, so grateful. But he still had it. And as, as you grew up, it had an impact on your ability to take in information, be connected socially. You can imagine going to school and uh, missing part of the lecture. Of course, you do that every Sunday morning to me. You know, you kind of check out. What did he say? But for David, it was serious because he was set back. He wasn't like every other kid in his age category. And uh, he went through emotional trauma because of the physical pain. And, and I remember when David would come out of his, his uh, one of his episodes, and, and my parents taught us to say, praise the Lord, David, praise the Lord. Like literally every time we were with them because we were going to claim God's healing and his presence in this moment. And so literally we did that for years until you were about 10, 10 years old, third, fourth grade, somewhere in there. And, uh, and then that was the moment that God did a miracle and you were completely healed. Completely physically healed. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, you know, at that moment when God healed me, I, I remember uh, the world just exploding, being so amazing and real to me. Uh, before, when I had uh, the treatments for the epilepsy, uh, they kind of numbed everything. You know, I wasn't able to really experience what it was. So it was amazing to me. God healed me, and, and all of a sudden I was like, whoa, this is an amazing new place. But I wasn't quite able to respond to everything the way that 
say uh, my, my fourth grader uh, people were because I had a lot of emotional stuff that needed to be healed too. And I remember going through uh, elementary school and uh, in middle school and high school and God, looking back at it, look, God healing my mind and healing my emotions. And so that uh, uh, I, I didn't know what, any different in my life, but I now looking back, I look back and I see what God had done for me and, and see where I'm at now compared to where I was at then. And, and, and not only that, I, you know, I have my three kids and uh, um, wanting them to know what God had done in my life, wanting them to, to, to experience the, the, the amazing healing, the amazing presence of God that we got to experience in our, in our, uh, our family. And, uh, you know, that's really my hope, my hope for everybody here. That, that, that even today in this service that, that you can experience what we experience, what I experience, to know that there is a God that is present and that he, he, he is not just floating out there somewhere, but he is standing right here ready and willing to heal and, and not just stay at that moment to be with you going forward. So, Yeah, come on, yeah, come somebody. On There's a... Uh, so here's... here's Real life, real struggle, right? You know, sometimes I think when we go through struggle, we think we're the only ones that are going through it and there's something wrong with us. Uh-uh. God's grace is sufficient and he will be with you through it all. He was with my parents as they prayed and they didn't know what to do. He was there with David and still there with them because God had a purpose for his life that extended beyond the condition. You are more than the label of whatever it is that you deal with. You're much more than that. God has a plan for your life. And for David, I remember when he moved out here, we had a master's commission at the church, like our Emmanuel Leadership College, and uh, came here, met Sarah, and uh, now together in their marriage and then raising the three kids, and they're all serving and involved in our church. They too have purpose. See, God had more plans than just for him, it was also about people around him. Can I get an amen to that? God will use you. Give it up for my brother. Thank you for sharing that, Dave. I would like you all to stand up today. I promised that at the end of the service that we would have time to pray for the sick. And I'd like all of our prayer teams and our elders, pastoral staff, if you guys could come and just be available along the front of the room here in Spring Lake Park. We also have in the balcony in the back wall in Elk River, Maple Grove, Lakeville. You guys can also come to the front. I want to read to you from James 5. It says this, Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Now, I wanna encourage you today that God will heal. If you need to give your life to Jesus, I encourage you to do it right now. In fact, all you gotta do is just surrender to Jesus. You can pray that prayer yourself. Just pray that prayer. Our, our, our location campus pastors, they're gonna come up afterwards and they can give you more direction, but you don't have to wait for them. You can just say, Jesus, forgive me my sin. I want you now in my life, and you can do that. And then healing is available for everyone. 
You might be a skeptic. You might be watching. You might be, I don't know. But like the blind man who had mud on his eyes, if you just take a step towards it, perhaps God will begin and initiate his healing in your life right now. So as we begin to sing in a moment, I'm going to pray. And when I say amen on each of our locations, I encourage you to come and leave where you're standing and come and receive prayer. And we're going to believe that God is going to heal today. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you know us better than we know ourselves and that you are in the house. I thank you, Jesus, that you care for your kids, that you see and notice each and every one. And even now, in Jesus' name, I pray, oh God, that you would raise our faith, that there would be a, an atmosphere where you move in your house. And Jesus, that you would touch each life. And Lord, you would restore the purpose. Some have lost their purpose. They've forgotten why they're on the earth. And Lord, we're here to partner with you. We're here to, Lord, be in alignment with you and so we pray, oh God, that you would enable all of us, whether being and receiving our healing or believing for the light to shine in the world around us, that you would show yourself real in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. You can learn more about the various ministries that Emmanuel offers and see Sunday services live every week. Check out emmanuelcc.org for details. Please be sure to tell others about this broadcast that they could enjoy next week at this same time.